We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go, episode 491 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Monday, January 23rd, 2023. And before we go any further, I have a question for you. How about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? Oh, yes. As then Dallas Cowboys head coach Jimmy Johnson famously said many years ago, how about them Cowboys? Uh, Listen, over the last 27 NFL seasons, that is to say since the start of the 1996 season, Dallas's regular seasons blow away Washington's regular seasons. Let's make that clear because there is no comparison. Every Washington fan would kill for the team's last 27 regular seasons to look like the Cowboys' last 27 regular seasons. And yet, and yet, each team during that span has the exact same number of NFC Championship game appearances. Zero. (laughs) A big, fat zero. A big, fat El Silcho. Now, is this loser talk? from me as a Commanders fan. Absolutely, (laughs) this is loser talk, okay? But this is what we have. Hello and welcome to this Monday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Did you enjoy your divisional round weekend of the NFL playoffs? I did, mainly because of what happened on Sunday night. The Cowboys losing at the San Francisco 49ers 19-12, marking a 12th consecutive postseason appearance for the Cowboys in which they failed to reach a conference championship game. Uh, That extends the Cowboys record for the longest such streak in NFL history. And how about how them boys did down the stretch of that game? Horrendous late game execution, taking way too much time prior to a punt. Uh, Tight end Dalton Schultz not getting both feet in bounds on what should have been a catch, but ended up being an incompletion. And then the play. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. The play. The final play of the game. The final play of the Cowboys 2022 season. One of the most whacked out plays that you'll ever see. Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott serving As the Cowboys center and lone blocker on the play, he snaps the ball, gets run over, okay? I mean, steamrolled. And then quarterback Dak Prescott, as he's predictably being pressured, fires the ball to receiver Cavante Turpin, who immediately gets tackled on what was supposed to be a lateral play. What was that? Great job, Cowboys. How about them, Cowboys? Exactly. Uh, Dak Prescott was not good. I tell you, the Cowboys with Dak, to me, have exactly what they had with the guy who Dak replaced as the Cowboys starting quarterback years ago now, Tony Romo, a guy who is too good to move on from, but who isn't good enough to carry you deep in the playoffs. Uh, Dak is good, but he is not great 
And he on Sunday night got outplayed by the Niners starting quarterback, your Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy. Coming up on the show, I will present to you my principal takeaways from Divisional Round Weekend for the Commanders, including the lessons at quarterback. If Brock Purdy, as the very last pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, can quarterback the Niners to the NFC Championship game, why can't, wait for it, Sam Howell, as a fifth-round pick in that 2022 draft, end up being a good quarterback for the Commanders. Additionally, next segment, I'll cover the Commanders' news of the last few days, including a looming departure from the Commanders' coaching staff. Uh, Also, on the show, college basketball, busy weekend. Maryland was down big, but then nearly pulled off a big upset in what did end up being a loss, a 58-55 loss at number three Purdue on Sunday afternoon. Uh, Thank you to the officials in that game. Some horrendous anti-Terrapins officiating in that game, but also some horrendous three-point shooting uh, by Maryland in that game. Uh, Also losing at a top 10 team over the weekend was Georgetown, a 95-82 loss at number eight Xavier on Saturday afternoon. Number 10, Virginia won its fifth consecutive game, a 76-67 win at Wake Forest on Saturday afternoon. And Virginia Tech lost its seventh consecutive game, a 51-50 loss at number 19, Clemson, on Saturday evening. I will talk Capitals. Uh, They, on Saturday night, had one of their worst games of the season, a hideous 6-2 loss at the Vegas Golden Knights in a game in which winger Alex Ovechkin did not play due to a lower body injury. And I'll discuss our Wizards. Uh, They, on Saturday night, had one of their best offensive games of the season, a 138-118 win over the Orlando Magic at Capital One Arena, as Rui Hachimura had a monster game off the bench, and then after the game, gave some very cryptic answers to questions regarding potentially being traded by the Wizards. It sure seems like Rui's time with the Wiz is ending. Uh, We shall see. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Rich on a potential goldmine of an item regarding Commander's head coach Rod Rivera writes, Rich, I know we just finished the holidays, but it's time to plan for next holiday season. I had an epiphany, not unlike the inspiration that Coach Rivera had when he came down from the mount with the formula. Uh, You spoke about how Ron can be wishy-washy. I started imagining that when other coaches or personnel want to change his mind, they spin him around until they get the answer that they want. This led me directly to a potentially record-setting Christmas gift sensation, the Coach Ron Rivera doll. We'll need a prototype I'm not sure if you would shake him, pull a string, or press a button. Regardless, after each prompt, you would get a Ronism. Enjoy the classic guys, guys, guys. Harken back to the amusing, I picked Carson. I did the analytics. Here my favorite, Taylor will start, juxtaposed with Sam will start. Throw in crowd pleasers like in Carolina, as well as Mr. Snyder, and also the formula. No true fan can go without this quintessential homage to our favorite bastion of moderate success. <laughs> Thank you for that, Rich. I think that you may be onto something there, my man. I mean, we in the 1980s had people going crazy for Cabbage Patch Kids. We in the 1990s had the Tickle Me Elmo craze. We in the late 1990s had the Beanie Babies sensation. Why not a Ron Rivera toy phenomenon. Uh, Who says no? Email from Jim in Ohio, writes Jim. Hi, Al. Enjoy the show. One audio drop that you need to add to your collection is Hoyas Lose, Hoyas Lose, Hoyas Lose. Uh, Thank you for the email, Jim. Unfortunately, no such audio drop exists. If such an audio drop did exist, I would have played the heck out of that thing uh, over these last two Georgetown basketball seasons now. You know, the legendary radio voice of the Hoyas, my pal, Rich Vodkin, this is his 49th season as the radio voice of the Hoyas. I mean, think about that. 49 seasons whenever the Hoyas finally win a Big East regular season game again. And who knows when that will be, but whenever that happens, I will proudly play Hoyas win, Hoyas win. Hoyas win! Hoyas win! Hoyas win! Hoyas win! Hoyas win! Yes, that's what that drop sounds like. We never get to play it anymore, but that is what that sounds like. Hoyas win. 
Hoyas win. Uh, unfortunately, the Hoyas have not won a Big East regular season game in quite some time. March 2nd, 2021 was the last time that the Hoyas won a Big East regular season game. Much more on the Hoyas and college basketball later in the show, but let us next get to the Commanders. Well, one of my favorite things about doing this podcast is working with local businesses and practices. Uh, if you want to grow your business or practice, consider advertising on the podcast. Uh, we Right now, we're offering some very special deals from which uh, you will get a definite bang for your buck. Uh, podcast advertising is affordable and effective. Uh, this podcast is listened to by thousands of people in the Washington, D.C. area every day. I'm very thankful for that. Uh, but email us to see what we can do for you. Uh, the email address is the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. All right, we did have some Commander's news over the weekend. Uh, first of all, it is looking like Commander's defensive backs coach Chris Harris is gone. Uh, we on Saturday morning had multiple reports that Harris is expected to join the Tennessee Titans as their defensive passing game coordinator and cornerbacks coach. Uh, I talked about Harris some on Friday's show, episode 490. ESPN NFL insider Jeremy Fowler, he late night this past Thursday night tweeted that the Chicago Bears had requested permission to interview Chris Harris for a defensive position. Uh, this was off us on January 12th having had multiple reports that the Titans had requested permission from the commanders to interview Harris for a defensive role on the Titans coaching staff. Uh, well, it now looks like he is joining the Titans. Uh, this was a third consecutive offseason in which Chris Harris came up for a job or jobs elsewhere. Uh, he is a very well-regarded defensive backs coach. He clearly did a good job this season with the development of corner Benjamin St. Juice and the development of safety Derek Forrest and the continued growth of safety Cameron Curl. And given the uncertainty with Ron Rivera as commander's head coach beyond the 2023 season, given the looming ownership change, you can't blame Harris for leaving for a far more stable situation in that of the Titans. Now, Mike Brabel is coming off a 7-10 and 2022 regular season, but each of his first four regular seasons as Titans head coach 2018 through 2021 uh, was a winning regular season. Uh, he led the Titans to the AFC Championship game for the 2019 season, and he led the Titans to AFC South titles for the 2020 and 2021 seasons. Uh, meantime, the Commander's offensive coordinator search. Uh, Commander's insider John Keim of ESPN on Friday morning tweeted that the team for its offensive coordinator job will interview Miami Dolphins associate head coach and running backs coach Eric Studisville on Monday and will interview Los Angeles Rams assistant head coach and tight ends coach Thomas Brown this week. Uh, the guys who the commanders have officially interviewed for their offensive coordinator job so far are former Cleveland Browns and former New York Giants head coach Pat Shermer, commanders quarterbacks coach Ken Zampezi and Atlanta Falcons quarterbacks coach Charles London. So Eric Studisville and Thomas Brown will grow the list of five. Uh, no word yet on whether the commanders will be interviewing the two high-profile offensive coordinators who became available on Thursday. Now former Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich and now former Baltimore Ravens offensive coordinator Greg Roman. I have no problem with the commanders interviewing a bunch of people for this offensive coordinator job, use the process as a fact-finding mission regarding what offensive minds around the league think about your team, you know? Maybe that'll open Ron Rivera's eyes to some things. Hey, we know <laughs> that he is Washington head coach, can be swayed, uh, can change his mind. Uh, he has done that a few times. And speaking of Ron, uh, Commander's Insider Ben Standing of The Athletic on Saturday night reported that that meeting between Ron Rivera and Commander's ownership that was supposed to have taken place last Monday, January 16th, but got delayed, uh, did end up taking place last week. Now, who exactly was in attendance? Uh, what was said? What was determined? We do not know, uh, but the meeting per Ben did end up happening. You would think 
that the team co-owners and co-CEOs, Dan and Tanya Snyder, assuming that both were at the meeting, updated Ron Rivera on the sale of the team and gave him some parameters for off-season planning in terms of a budget, but who knows? Hey, maybe Ron, Dan, and Tanya discussed the hiatus app. Uh, Hiatus is a personal financial management app that allows you to take full control of your money. Uh, If you want to get a better handle on where your money is going, if you want to get your bills, utilities, and subscriptions organized, download the Hiatus app. It's great. Uh, Hiatus allows you to see all of your subscriptions in one place and lets you cancel the ones that you don't want or need in just a few taps. Uh, Hiatus can alert you if any of your monthly bills, like your cell phone bill or internet bill, are negotiable. And Hiatus has an in-house team that actually can negotiate and lower those bills for you. Uh, Download the Hiatus app from the App Store, from Google Play, or by going to hiatus.app. Uh, There's no cost to downloading the app. Download it and see what it can do for you. Again, download the Hiatus app from the App Store, from Google Play, or by going to hiatus.app. Hiatus, take control of your money. Well, if you are a Commanders fan and are like me, it's impossible to watch the NFL playoffs and not think about our team and relate things that you see to our team and identify themes and lessons and takeaways for our team. And there were a few things from Divisional Round Weekend that stuck out to me in these regards. Uh, First of all, the head coaches, uh, seven of the eight head coaches competing on Divisional Round Weekend were head coaches with primarily offensive backgrounds. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni, San Francisco 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan, Dallas Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy, New York Giants head coach Brian Dable, Kansas City Chiefs head coach Andy Reid, Cincinnati Bengals head coach Zach Taylor, and Jacksonville Jaguars head coach Doug Peterson. All of them NFL head coaches with primarily offensive backgrounds. The only NFL head coach competing on divisional round weekend with a defensive background was Buffalo Bills head coach Sean McDermott. Now, the majority of NFL head coaches now do have offensive backgrounds, but gee, seven of the eight head coaches competing on divisional round weekend were head coaches with primarily offensive backgrounds. Uh, all four of the head coaches who advanced to conference championship Sunday, Sirianni, Shanahan, Reed, and Taylor, have primarily offensive backgrounds. And three of those four head coaches, Sirianni, Shanahan, and Taylor, are under the age of 44. The trends in the NFL with head coaches for years now, uh, have been A, primarily offensive backgrounds, and B, young. And then you look at our team. (laughs) Uh, The Commanders and Ron Rivera have a head coach with a defensive background and who is 61 years old. Now, that doesn't mean that all NFL head coaches with defensive backgrounds are doomed. Again, see Sean McDermott. Uh, That doesn't mean that all NFL head coaches who are older are doomed. Uh, See Andy Reid. He's 64. But there's no doubt that the commanders in today's NFL are very much going against the tide in having a guy like Ron Rivera as their head coach. Defensive background, older guy. Uh, Just something to keep in mind. Uh, Another thing from Divisional Round Weekend to be thinking about, if you're a Commanders fan, the extent to which the teams with great passing offenses advanced to Conference Championship Sunday. Uh, We have talked about this. 10 of the top 11 teams in the NFL in passing offense per Football Outsiders DVOA metric for the 2022 regular season made the playoffs. 10 of the top 11. Uh, For comparison's sake, just four of the top eight teams in the NFL and just seven of the top 12 teams in the NFL in rushing offense per DVOA for the 2022 regular season made the playoffs. Well, now the teams for Conference Championship Sunday are set. 49ers at the Eagles in the NFC Championship game Sunday afternoon at 3. Bengals at the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game Sunday evening at 6.30. Those four teams made up four of the top nine passing offenses per DVOA in the NFL for the 2022 regular season. Uh, The Chiefs were number one. The Niners were number three. 
The Bengals were number seven and the Eagles were number nine. Four of the top nine teams in the NFL in passing offense per DVOA for the 2022 regular season made conference championship Sunday. Uh, Last postseason, the four teams that played in the conference championship games were four of the top five teams in the NFL in passing offense per DVOA for the 2021 regular season. Uh, Now look, the Chiefs, Niners, Bengals, and Eagles during the 2022 regular season all had decent, if not good, if not great rushing offenses. So it's not like all four of these teams are bad at running the ball. But once again, we do have more proof that in the modern NFL, passing offense correlates with team success more than rushing offense does, more than anything else does. And it's just something to keep in mind as we look at our team, the Commanders, and what it's trying to do with its offense, especially as a team is in the midst of this offensive coordinator search. And all of this brings me to the position of quarterback, a position of note, you could say, for the Commanders. So it really is something Uh, What we have in the AFC right now versus what we have in the NFC right now at quarterback. In the AFC right now, we have this onslaught of young stud franchise quarterbacks, all of whom were first round picks, right? The Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, the Bengals, Joe Burrow, the Bills, Josh Allen, the Los Angeles Chargers, Justin Herbert, uh, the Jags, Trevor Lawrence, the Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson. Uh, perhaps you want to throw the Miami Dolphins to a tongue of Iloa into that mix. But all of these guys are young. Uh, all of them are promising, if not good, if not great. And all of them were drafted with first round picks. I mean, the AFC Championship game for a fifth consecutive season will feature Patrick Mahomes. And for a third consecutive season, will feature Mahomes versus either Joe Burrow or Josh Allen. If you are a franchise quarterback needy team like the Commanders, and you look at the state of the AFC, what you see is a flashing neon sign of, if you want a franchise quarterback, the first round of an NFL draft is the way. However, how about what we have in the NFC right now. The four starting quarterbacks on divisional round weekend in the NFC were a second round pick in the Eagles' Jalen Hurts, a seventh round pick, in fact, a Mr. Irrelevant in the Niners' Brock Purdy, a fourth round pick in the Cowboys' Dak Prescott, and yes, a first round pick in the Giants' Daniel Jones, but you very much could argue that he's the worst of the four quarterbacks. Additionally, the NFC playoffs this season featured a fourth-round quarterback in the Minnesota Vikings, Kirk Cousins, who, of course, was taken in the fourth round of the 2012 NFL Draft by the Redskins. And the NFC playoffs this season featured the ultimate hit of a non-first-round quarterback in NFL history, the GOAT, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady, who, of course, was taken by the New England Patriots in the sixth round of the 2000 Draft. And so if you are a franchise quarterback needy team like the Commanders and you look at the state of the NFC, what you see is a flashing neon sign of if you want a franchise quarterback, you can find one in a round of an NFL draft other than the first round. Now, the truth is that the overwhelming majority of non-first round quarterbacks do not become starting NFL quarterbacks to say nothing of not becoming franchise quarterbacks. Like, the math really is not in your favor if you're going to try to find a franchise quarterback with a non-first-round pick. But we in Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins and, of course, Tom Brady and maybe Brock Purdy have a number of examples of non-first-round quarterbacks who are quality starting NFL quarterbacks, obviously, to different levels. The Brock Purdy situation really is something. I mean, this guy was taken by the Niners with the very last pick in the 2022 NFL draft. He's only the Niners starting quarterback because of injuries to Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. And yet, Brock Purdy now is a win away from the Super Bowl. And while, yes, there's no doubt that he is having the success 
that he's having due in large part to a great supporting cast of players and to having a great offensive mind in Kyle Shanahan as head coach. What's also true is that Purdy himself has played well. You know, two things can be true. It's true that Brock Purdy is in a great circumstance. It's also true that Brock Purdy has played well. Purdy over the Niners, two wins this postseason, the 41-23 win over the Seattle Seahawks in the wildcard round and the 19-12 win over the Cowboys on Sunday night in the divisional round, has thrown for 546 yards on 59 pass attempts, 9.25 yards per pass attempt. That's outstanding. And that isn't just all about his supporting cast and Kyle Shanahan. That's also about Brock Purdy making good decisions, throwing with accuracy, throwing on time. Like Brock Purdy does deserve some credit for what has happened here, okay? You can't do 9.25 yards per pass attempt over two playoff games as a seventh round rookie and not be doing some things well, okay? Uh, How about this? San Francisco Chronicle columnist Michael Silver, who, as you may recall, uh, worked for Washington in 2021 and is good friends with Ron Rivera. Uh, Both guys went to Cal. Well, Silver on Friday reported that barring a seismic jump by Trey Lance and or shocking regression by Brock Purdy and or injury for Purdy, Purdy will be the Niners QB1 for the 2023 season. So according to Michael Silver, Kyle Shanahan already has decided to go with Brock Purdy over Trey Lance as the Niners QB1 for next season. Uh, That would not be happening if Purdy's success was solely about his circumstance. And so Brock Purdy now is the latest example of how wrong NFL teams continue to be about quarterbacks in NFL drafts. Again, this guy was the very last pick of the 2022 draft. The entire NFL, including, by the way, the Niners, got it wrong with Brock Purdy. He clearly should have been taken prior to the very last pick in the 2022 draft. Like, if you redid the 2022 draft right now, Brock Purdy would be a first-round pick. And so, to me, this is something to keep in mind with Commander's quarterback, Sam Howell, who, of course, per reports, now, Two Saturdays ago, January 14th, is being positioned by the Commanders to be their QB1 for the 2023 season. Who knows if Sam will even end up being the Commanders' starting quarterback for next season, okay? Uh, As we have said, Ron Rivera has been known to change his mind, right? (laughs) But the idea, an idea that I have heard and read, that Sam Howell should be dismissed because he was taken by the commanders in the fifth round of the 2022 draft, or that he should be greatly discounted because he was taken by the commanders in the fifth round of the 2022 draft. Yeah, I get it. The odds are against him becoming a good starting NFL quarterback, but Brock Purdy is proof positive that NFL teams are still way off on quarterbacks in NFL drafts. And so to me, dismissing Sam Howell, or greatly discounting Sam Howell solely on the basis of him being a fifth-round pick is wrong. If there are things about his mechanics or his decision-making or whatever else that concern you, okay. But him having been taken with a fifth-round pick, that in and of itself isn't a good enough reason to dismiss him or discount him. Again, Brock Purdy, seventh-round pick, Mr. Irrelevant. Jalen Hurts, second round pick. Dak Prescott, fourth round pick. All of those guys were playing on divisional round weekend. Uh, They weren't all necessarily playing well, okay? Uh, Dak certainly did not have his best game, but he was playing on divisional round weekend. There's also this when you look at the landscape of quarterbacks in the NFC. The opportunity, the AFC right now is brutal with Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow and Josh Allen and Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence, etc. The NFC has what? Aging guys in Tom Brady, the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers, and the Los Angeles Rams, Matthew Stafford. Uh, A young quarterback in the Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray, with big time question marks. 
Uh, guys like Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins and Daniel Jones and the Detroit Lions, Jared Goff and the Seattle Seahawks, Geno Smith with talent, but also limitations. I mean, after Jalen Hurts, name me the NFC quarterback who really, truly brightens you for years to come the way that Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow and Josh Allen and Justin Herbert do. And so in this current NFC, you don't need to have an elite quarterback to do well. In this current AFC, you do need to have an elite quarterback to do well. In the current NFC, you don't. And so for the commanders, if they can just get someone to be pretty good at quarterback, they can be doing something like playing on divisional round weekend. Now, the goal, of course, for the commanders should be to get a quarterback who is great, not just pretty good. But the good news is that as things stand right now in the NFC, pretty good can be good enough to make, say, the divisional round of the playoffs and maybe even farther. If Sam Howell is the commander's QB1 for the 2023 season, okay? And again, that remains an if, but if Sam, I am, is the commander's QB1 for next season. And if he can be just pretty good, okay, doesn't have to be elite, doesn't have to be great, doesn't even have to be plain good, just pretty good, (laughs) you know, like a B or even B minus quarterback, that can be good enough for the commanders to make the playoffs and maybe even make some noise in the playoffs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Well, you never know what'll happen late in a college basketball game. Take, for example, what happened with George Washington on Saturday afternoon. The Colonials improved to 10 and 9 overall and 4 and 2 in the Atlantic 10 with a 76-69 win over Dayton at the Charles E. Smith Center in Washington, D.C. GW led 59-50 with less than 2 minutes left in the second half. The two teams then combined for a whopping 36 points in less than two minutes. I mean, think about that. A combined 36 points in less than two minutes to close out the game. If you had the over for that game, uh, you were in bad shape, and then out of nowhere, you were in great shape. Well, Maryland on Sunday afternoon was in bad shape 
Uh, the Terrapins were playing at number three, Purdue. They trailed by 16 points in the first half, but the Terps, to their credit, made this a game. They won the second half 34-23 and were within one point at 56-55 with 5.3 seconds left in the second half. But the Boilermakers made their free throws. So Purdue for the game went 16 of 18 on free throws, and Jameer Young missed a desperation deep three as the game ended, Maryland fell to 12 and 7 overall and 3 and 5 in the Big 10, a 58-55 loss at number 3 Purdue on Sunday afternoon. The Terps ultimately never held a lead in the game. Their defense though was good enough to win. Uh the Terps held Purdue to just 58 points and just 2 of 13 on threes and generated 15 Purdue turnovers. The Terps totaled 7 steals, but the Terps got shredded by Purdue center and seven foot four Canadian Zach Eady. Uh, this guy is a monster, and he had a monster game. Zach Eady in 32 minutes 55 seconds as a starter, 10 of 17 from the field, all twos, four of six on free throws. He finished with 24 points, 16 rebounds, including seven offensive boards and two blocks. He did have just one assist versus five turnovers, but boy, 24 and 16. For Zach Eady. And if you watch this game, I mean, Maryland just had no answer for this guy. How could you? He's seven foot four. You know, he's one of those classic Big Ten brutes. <laughs> and uh, it was brutal trying to defend Zach Eady in this game. The Terps had a very mixed game offensively 19 to 38 on twos, committed just nine turnovers. Okay, those things were good. But the Terps went a putrid three of 21 on threes. Also generated just nine free throw attempts. The Terps went. 8-9 on free throws, but Maryland's inability to make threes is maddening. Uh, Maryland now this season is shooting just 30.1% on threes. This is by far Maryland's biggest weakness, three-point shooting. Uh, point guard Jameer Young, graduate student transfer from Charlotte, a product of DeMatha Catholic High School in Hyattsville, Maryland. Uh, he on Sunday afternoon, 32 minutes, 27 seconds as a starter, 0-6 of 6 on threes, and just 4-12 on twos. Now, did go 2-2 two two on free throws, did finish with 10 points, 7 assists versus 2 turnovers, 7 rebounds, including 3 offensive boards and 3 steals, but the 0-6 on threes loomed large. Uh, we did have some really good stuff offensively from 6'9 sophomore Julian Reese. You know, Julian Reese is a guy from whom I, and I know so many other Terps fans, have wanted more. Uh, this is a guy, consensus four-star recruit from St. Francis Academy of Baltimore. His development has not happened at uh, lightning speed, shall we say, but he is coming along. And he, on Sunday afternoon, had one of his best offensive games. Reese in 33 minutes, 40 seconds as a starter, went 8 of 11 from the field, all twos, and 3 of 3 on free throws. He finished with 19 points and a team-best plus-minus rating of plus 11. Now, he did grab just three rebounds. Uh, he, for a second consecutive game, was facing a very good opposing center. He and the Terps' 64-58 win over Michigan at Xfinity Center in College Park, Maryland, this past Thursday night battled 7-1 center Hunter Dickinson, who went uh, to DeMatha. And then, of course, on Sunday afternoon, Julian Reese was contending with the monster Seven foot four, Zach Eady. Uh, this was Terps head coach Kevin Willard during his post game press conference on Sunday afternoon on Julian Reese. No, I, I think Julian the last two games. You know, if you look at what he did with Hunter, um, and I know Zach had monster numbers, but um, you know the way he battled. I think offensively, the way he's played too has really given us a good boost. He, I think he's playing with more offensive confidence. Yeah, good to see that. But those Terp struggles on threes are really hurting Maryland. Uh, starters Dante Scott, Hakeem Hart, and Donald Carey on Sunday afternoon, a combined 2 of 14 on threes. You add in Jameer Young going 0 of 6 on threes. Four Terp starters, a combined 2 of 20 on threes. Just a few more made threes could have made this game a big upset win for the Terps. Uh, next up for Maryland, home to Wisconsin, Wednesday night at 7. So Maryland over the weekend played on Sunday afternoon. Georgetown, Virginia, and Virginia Tech over the weekend played on Saturday. Uh, another loss for Georgetown. Uh, the Hoyas fell to 5-15 and overall and 0-9 in the Big East with a 95-82 loss at number 8 Xavier on Saturday afternoon. This was the Hoyas' 29th 
consecutive regular season Biggie's loss, extending the record for the most consecutive regular season Biggie's losses in conference history. And the Hoyas losing at Xavier was a reminder that their last regular season Big East win was a home win over Xavier all the way back on March 2nd, 2021. Uh, Georgetown on Saturday afternoon did remain without a key player in Arizona State transfer Jay Heath. Uh, He did not play for a sixth consecutive game due to a left-hand injury. Uh, The Hoyas in this game did overcome an 11-point first-half deficit with an 11-0 first-half run. They were within a point at 48-47 early in the second half, but the Hoyas then allowed Xavier to go on a 37-20 run for an 18-point lead at 85-67. The Hoyas' defense in this game was really bad. They allowed Xavier to go 8-14 on three, score 52 points in the paint, and finish with 31 assists versus just nine turnovers. I mean, 31 assists for a college basketball team in a college basketball game is a sky-high number of assists. 31 assists for an NBA team in an NBA game is a really good number. 31 assists for a college basketball team in a 40-minute college basketball game is way high. And things could have been even worse for the Hoyas because Xavier went just 9 of 17 on free throws. Uh, The Hoyas got worked by 6'9", Xavier senior Zach Fremantle. Uh, Zach Fremantle ran free. Uh, he in 33 minutes as a starter, 2 of 3 on threes, 10 of 16 on twos, and 4 of 6 on free throws. He finished with 30 points, 11 rebounds, including 4 offensive boards, and 7 assists versus 2 turnovers. And the Hoyas offense just was not good enough. Uh, Georgetown went just 7 of 22 on threes and just 13 of 18 on free throws, scored just 20 points in the paint, committed 13 turnovers. Uh, Duquesne transfer Primo Spears, quite the high-volume game for the Hoyas. Uh, He, in 37 minutes as a starter, did have a career-high 37 points, a career-high tying 11 assists and three rebounds. I mean, those numbers certainly are impressive, but he went just three of 11 on threes and just four of six on free throws and committed six turnovers. Uh, He did go 12 of 20 on twos. Uh, Good game for UConn transfer and 6'10 big man, a cook, a cook. Uh, he in 36 minutes as a starter, 0 at 2 on threes, but 6 to 7 on twos, 2 at 2 on free throws. He finished with 14 points, 10 rebounds, 3 blocks, and 2 steals. And next up for Georgetown, home to DePaul, Tuesday night at 7. So the Hoyas keep losing, but Virginia keeps winning. Uh, number 10, Virginia won its fifth consecutive game, improved to 15-3 and overall and 7-2 and in the ACC with a 76-67 win at Wake Forest on Saturday afternoon. Uh, what was a milestone win for UVA head coach Tony Bennett, his 400th win as a college head coach. Uh, now, the game did get dicey for the Cavs. They, in the first half, led by 19 points, saw the lead in the second half get cut to just one point at 57-56, but the Cavs then won the rest of the game 19-11. Uh, the Cavs' defense, very good. They held Wake to just 9-27 on threes and just 11-24 on twos. Cavs had a mixed game offensively. On the one hand, uh, the Cavs went just 9-26 on threes and just 13-17 on free throws. But on the other hand, the Cavs were lights out on threes, 15-34, of 34, and that included going 15-28 of 28 after an 0 of 6 start on threes. Also, the Cavs committed uh, just seven turnovers. Uh, Particularly impressive games for Armand Franklin and Reese Beekman. Uh, Franklin in 37 minutes, 24 seconds as a starter, 5 of 13 on threes, 4 of 8 on twos. He did go just 2 of 4 on free throws, but he finished with 25 points and 10 rebounds. Uh, Reese Beekman in 24 minutes, 59 seconds as a starter, 2 of 5 on threes, 0 of 1 on twos, 2 of 2 on free throws. He finished with 8 points, 6 assists versus no turnovers, 3 rebounds, and a game-best tying plus-minus rating of plus 13. And the Wahoos got good production from two freshman reserves. Uh, 6'4 true freshman Isaac McNeely, 23 minutes, one second off the bench. 3 of 6 on threes, 0 at 2 on twos, 2 at 2 on free throws. He finished with 11 points and 3 assists versus no turnovers. And 6'8 true freshman Ryan Dunn, he in 30 minutes, 11 seconds off the bench, one to two on threes and one of one on twos and finished with five points, eight rebounds, one assist versus two turnovers and a game best time plus minus rating of plus 13. This was Tony Bennett during his postgame press conference on Saturday afternoon on Isaac McNeely and Ryan Dunn. 
Yeah, I mean, this isn't the first time. Now, they've been doing this in our, you know, we've been playing some solid basketball, and those two have been an important part of it. And, um, you know, again, Ryan is so, he, he's so mobile, and he's wired to defend and rebound, offensive glass defense, and then, you know, he bangs a three, and if, if he guards a four, he can show and get back, block some shots, and we just, the way at Wake Forest, they're very good offensively, the way they're spreading you out and um, attacking, uh, they put pressure on you, so we needed Ryan's mobility, and I, I thought he was um, was really good, and that's his high, I think, so far of his early career in rebounding, and that was a heck of a tip dunk uh, to get that. Yeah, a few other things from this game. Tony Bennett, for a third consecutive game, started Ben Vanderplas over Caden Shedrick. Uh, Shedrick played for just two minutes, 56 seconds off the bench, and Jaden Gardner continued to struggle uh, he in 19 minutes, 37 seconds as a starter, went just 2-7 from the field, all twos, and just 1-2 on free throws. He finished with just five points, just two rebounds, and a team-worst plus-minus rating of minus 22. Now, plus-minus can be deceiving, but Jaden Gardner was the only UVA player who played in the game who finished with a negative plus-minus rating, and it's not like his rating was, you know, minus one or minus two. His rating ended up being minus 22. Good things did not happen with Jaden Gardner on the floor on Saturday afternoon. Uh, Next up for Virginia, home to Boston College this Saturday at noon. And Virginia Tech, uh, it just cannot catch a break, man. A 51-50 loss at number 19 Clemson on Saturday evening. Uh, the Hokies now have lost seven consecutive games and now are just 11-8 and eight overall and just 1-7 in the ACC. Uh, the Tigers' Hunter Tyson connected on a go-ahead three from just beyond the top of the arc for a 51-50 Clemson lead with 10.8 seconds left in the second half. A second half in which the Hokies scored just 19 points. Tech's offense in the second half was horrendous. Uh, Tech in the second half, scored just 19 points, went just 2 of 11 on threes, and just 4 of 13 on twos, and just 5 of 9 on free throws. And speaking of free throws, uh, Grant Basile, graduate student transfer from Wright State, he went just 1 of 2 on free throws, with 21.5 seconds left in the second half, giving Tech a 50-48 lead as opposed to a 51-48 lead, and Tech ended up losing the game 51-50. Tech held Clemson to just the 51 points and to just 3 of 18 on threes. Uh, Tech generated 17 Clemson turnovers. The Hokies finished with nine steals. The Hokies' defense was good. The offense was not good, Uh, certainly was not good in the second half. Uh, Basili ended up being the Hokies' leading scorer in the game, and he finished with just 13 points. Uh, he, in 27 minutes as a starter, went 1-3 of three on threes, 4-7 of seven on twos, and 2-3 two of three on free throws. Also had eight rebounds. Uh, point guard Sean Padula, 35 minutes as a starter, just 1-7 of seven on threes, and just 1-6 of six on twos. He went 2-13 of 13 from the field. Uh, he went 2-2 two two on free throws. He finished with just seven points, also committed three turnovers, although he also had seven rebounds and four steals. You know, it's not like Virginia Tech is a terrible team, but geez, it seems to do just enough to lose games. And certainly some things have just not gone Tech's way. I mean, you think about what's gone down with freshman Rodney Rice. Uh, he has played in just one game this season. Uh, Rodney Rice, a four-star recruit added to Map the Catholic High School in Hyattsville, Maryland, made his collegiate debut in the Hokies' 82-72 loss at Syracuse on January 11th of having been out due to injury. Then he suffered a broken finger on his right hand at the end of practice on January 14th, and now he's out indefinitely. Uh, there's also this. So KenPalm.com has a metric called luck rating. Uh, has to do with the difference between a team's actual record and expected record given various inputs. The Hokies, through games on Saturday, were number 349 out of 363 teams in Division One in luck rating for this season. Number 349 at a 363. Lucky the Hokies have not been. Uh, Next up for Virginia Tech, a game on Monday night, uh, home to Duke at 7.
Well, the Capitals on Saturday night played game two of a stretch of three consecutive games out west, and the Caps were horrendous. Uh, the Caps on Saturday night had a total clunker. They fell to 25-18-6 with a 6-2 loss at the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, before we do more on the actual game, though, the biggest item with this game, no Alex Ovechkin. Uh, winger Alex Ovechkin did not play due to a lower body injury. Uh, the Caps on Saturday night labeled him as day-to-day. Ovi, of course, has been remarkably durable in his NHL career. Like His greatness isn't just about his production. His greatness also is about his exceptional durability, which has come despite him being a very physical player. Uh, this was Caps head coach Peter Laviolette during his post-game session with reporters late night on Saturday night. You'll hear an exchange with Caps insider Tarek El-Bashir of The Athletic, and then an exchange with Caps insider Samantha Pell of The Washington Post. Are you hopeful that uh, maybe Alex will be able to play Tuesday? Mm, I don't have an answer for that right now, Tarek. I'm not I'm not sure. Obviously, he wasn't there tonight, yeah. so there's a couple days between games. That's a good thing. Yeah. Um, but we'll see how he is tomorrow and go from there. Yeah. How much happened from the last Um, there's there's always things that are going on with players. Um, Alex is usually really durable, but um, you know this is something that uh, you know he 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 wasn't able to skate this morning, and it took him out of the lineup tonight. All right, so we'll see with Alex Ovechkin. You know, we've talked so much about the Caps this season having been brutalized by injury. Even the ultra-durable Great Eight now is not immune uh, to this phenomenon of the Caps this season being brutalized by injury. The Caps uh, also remain without defenseman John Carlson and forwards Nick Dowd, Connor Brown, and Carl Hagelin due to injury. Uh, as for the actual game on Saturday night, uh, not good. Uh, the Caps in the second period trailed Five nothing. Uh, goaltender Darcy Kemper stopped just 14 of the 18 shots on goal that he faced and got pulled in the second period in favor of Charlie Lindgren. Uh, he stopped just seven of the nine shots on goal that he faced. The Caps lost the puck possession battle. They, per natural stat trick, had 37 five on five shot attempts to the Golden Knights, 47, including just five five on five high danger shot attempts. To the Golden Knights, nine. Uh, the Caps in a first period that they lost two nothing per natural stat trick had just six five on five shot attempts to the Golden Knights, twenty. I mean, think about that: six five on five shot attempts to Vegas's twenty. The Caps for the game, twenty two shots on goal to the Golden Knights, twenty seven. And so Peter Laviolette during his post game session with reporters on Saturday night, uh, not exactly <laughs> in a talkative mood. Here was the non. Alex Ovechkin portion of Laviolette's postgame session with reporters. You'll hear an exchange with the radio voice of the Cavs, John Walton, and then an exchange with Tarek El-Bashir. Coach, is this one to have a short memory and move on? This was not the start you were obviously looking for tonight? No, they were uh, they were the better team tonight. The turnovers, especially early, seemed to kind of fuel their quick transition. With, with that kind of... Yeah. That's, I, would, I would agree with that. So I'm not going to get too much into it. We weren't yeah. good. They were the better team. And uh, we'll get ready for the next one here. There's things we can go back and try to get better at. Uh, yes, there are. <laughs> uh, the Caps goals on Saturday night, a second period even strength goal from winger TJ Oshie and a third period even strength goal from winger Marcus Johansson. Next up for the Caps at the Colorado Avalanche, Tuesday night at 9. Well, the Wizards, like the Capitals, played just one game over the weekend. Uh, the Wizards, like the Caps, played their lone game over the weekend on Saturday night. But the Wizards, unlike the Caps, played well on Saturday night. Uh, the Wizards improved to 20-26 and 26 with a 138-118 win over the Orlando Magic at Capital Win Arena on Saturday night. The Wiz now have won two consecutive games and now are 10-19 and 19 since their 10-7 and seven start. Now, Chris Stamps Porzingis on Saturday night did get hurt. He left the game in the third quarter due to a sprained left ankle. Uh, the initial belief was that the injury was not too serious, but, you know, any lower body injury with Porzingis is concerning. This guy has a lengthy history of lower body injuries, although uh, mostly knee injuries as opposed to, like, ankle or 
foot injuries. But Porzingis in February 2018 tore his left ACL. He in October 2020 underwent surgery to repair a torn right meniscus, and he last season dealt with a right knee bone bruise. Uh, Porzingis on Saturday night played for exactly 23 minutes as a starter. He went just one of three on threes and just two of seven on twos and had no assists versus two turnovers, but he also went 10 of 10 on free throws. He did a great job of generating free throw attempts, and he finished with 17 points and six rebounds. The Wizards on Saturday night never trailed in the game. Their offense was outstanding. Uh, This was one of the Wizards' best offensive performances of the season. The Wizards scored 138 points when 18 of 34 on threes and 33 of 61 on twos and finished with 34 assists versus eight turnovers. And things could have been even better for the Wizards because they went just 18 of 25 on free throws. Uh, Bradley Beal, his second game back from a five-game absence caused by a low-grade left hamstring strain. Uh, He was only needed for 27 minutes, 49 seconds as a starter. Uh, He went two of three on threes, five of 11 on twos, and one of one on free throws. He finished with 17 points, eight assists versus one turnover and four rebounds. Uh, Kyle Kuzma in 31 minutes, 42 seconds as a starter, five of 11 on threes, four and nine on twos. He did go just two of six on free throws, but he finished with 25 points, 10 rebounds, six assists, versus one turnover and a plus-minus rating of plus 19. The Wizards got two terrific games from reserves, uh, talking about Rui Hachimura and DeLon Wright. Uh, Rui, in just 29 minutes, 59 seconds off the bench, scored 30 points. Yeah, Rui pumped in 30 on Saturday night. He went 3 of 5 on threes, 10 of 17 on twos, and 1 of 2 on free throws. He also finished with five rebounds, two blocks, and a game-best time plus-minus rating of plus 20. This performance by Rui came off what we had this past Wednesday. Uh, The Athletic reporting that the Wizards had, quote, begun trade discussions with multiple teams centered on, end quote, Rui Hachimura. Uh, This was Wizards head coach Wes Unsell Jr. during his postgame press conference on Saturday night on Rui, and then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Matthew Paris of the Washington Times. Oh, he was terrific. You know, I loved his aggression off the bench. Um, you know, I think, you know, once he sees one or two go in, that kind of gets him going. Um, you know, he's stretched the floor, made, made a three, and I think once that dynamic happens, now they get to running him off, he gets to his mid-range. Um, so he was, I like, I like where he was. I thought he was uh, well-balanced um, in his attacks. Um, you know, the, the pull-up, that's kind of like his calling card. But uh, I like to see him play with that type of aggression for sure. And for him to do that days after his name came up in trade rumors, what do you kind of make of that? Well, it just shows a little bit of, you know, mental fortitude. You know, it's it's tough. I'm sure it's difficult when you, you know, if you prescribed everything you hear or read, it can weigh on you. Um, but, you know, he struggled in New York. It's, it's great to have, a, you know, a bounce back game like this. Yeah, so this Rui Hachimura situation with the Wizards has become a bit of a situation. He's a very up-and-down player. At times, he's great, as was the case on Saturday night, but at times, he's quite bad. Uh, He, over the last two seasons, has missed a lot of time due to personal reasons and injury. He is set to be a restricted free agent this coming offseason. The Wizards need to decide whether they want to truly pay Rui Hachimura, but it appears that he does want out. Now, it may be that he wants out because he doesn't feel wanted by the Wizards, but Rui, after the game on Saturday night, gave some rather cryptic answers. He was asked if being traded by the Wizards was something that he wanted. His answer, quote, I don't know, end quote. He then got asked if he had requested a trade from the Wizards. His answer, quote, no comment, end quote. Uh, Those would seem to be the answers of someone who wants out. So I am expecting the Wizards to trade Rui Hachimura prior to the NBA trade deadline, which is on February 9th at 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Also off the bench for the Wizards on Saturday night, DeLon Wright, uh, outstanding game for him, 23 minutes, 54 seconds as a reserve, three of three on threes, two of two on twos, two of two on free throws. He finished with 15 points, eight assists versus no turnovers, three steals, three rebounds, 
and a game best time plus minus rating of plus 20. High level offense from the Wizards on Saturday night. You know, they are now finally mostly healthy. I mean, we'll see what comes of the Chris Dapps Porzingis sprained left ankle. Uh, but with guys back, we are seeing less playing time for some other guys, and we are seeing the continued burial of Will Barton. Will Barton on Saturday night, a DNP CD for a fourth consecutive game. A did not play due to coach's decision for a fourth consecutive game. Next up for the Wizards, uh, five consecutive games on the road, beginning with a game at the Dallas Mavericks Tuesday night at 8.30. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tuesday show, episode 492. We'll have a lot for you on the Commanders. We'll also talk Virginia Tech basketball. The Hokies are home to Duke Monday night at 7. Have a great rest of your Monday, and I'll talk to you on Tuesday. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.